Chapter thirty three of Colonel Greatheart. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Barry Eads. Colonel Greatheart by H. C. Bailey. Chapter thirty three. Joan Normandy plays proxy. Mistress Joy Stone, the mayor's daughter of fame, loved the river meadows. Thither from the hospital lodged in the grammar school, she bore Joan Normandy. A quick wind came fragrant from the limes about the churchyard. The thornbrakes were a sweet flame of white, the banks blue with speedwell. But Mistress Joy was in a great haste. They turned from the highway to the river bank, and Joan hung back watching the swift dark water. Mistress Joy snapped off a king cup and sighed and pulled another looked over the wide empty meadows and sighed again. Her round, childish face was marked with a quaint gravity. "'Do you like me, Joan?' said she. "'Truly?' "'Why, child, who does not?' "'I am sure I cannot tell why any one should,' said Joy, with melancholy satisfaction. "'I am very sinful indeed. Sometimes I think I am a child of wrath, and I am quite stupid, and I—would you say that I am comely, Joan?' I would laugh at you till you laugh too. I suppose one ought not to be unhappy, save concerning one's salvation. Have you ever been quite, quite unhappy, Joan? In truth, child, if you were so, you would not tell of it. I am shameful, said Joy with decision. Dear heart, do I weary you? You are strong and noble, and I—why, it is a puzzle to be a woman, you know. Tis a puzzle you'll not get out of, dear, nor want to, maybe. Oh, shall I not? Would I could change my heart and my coats, I should go the easier. Nay, but conceive me a man. Would you love me, sweet Joan? Sure, sir, you are too bold, Joan laughed. Nay, madame, I am a good knight and kiss before I speak, she cried, and slipping her arm about Joan's waist, she did it, and sprang back as if she were stung, a pretty crimson. Close upon them was David Stowe. She turned away, tugging Joan's hand. "'Nay, Joan, come, come away,' she whispered wildly. "'Why, you are a good knight and kiss before you speak,' Joan laughed in her ear, and louder. "'Good morrow, sir,' David Stowe saluted. "'And to you, madame.' Joy still presented to him her back. "'Pray convey my greeting to Mistress Stone's face.' "'Major Stowe would salute your face, cousin,' quoth Joan. "'I thank him for it,' Joy stammered. "'Sir,' She thanks you for it with my lips, said Joan, her eyes gay. A fair proxy. Madame, will you walk? Why, sir, with good will. Joan laughed and proceeded to walk away. There was a cry of anguish. Joan! David Stowe arrested her. Believe me, madame, you will be an aid. Sure, tis scarce to be believed, but with right good will, sir. Come, cousin. She linked arms with joy but her design to bring the two next each other was frustrated by the agility of both of them. So the three paced on over the meadows, Joan smiling in the middle, David Stowe mightily grave upon her left hand, Joy hanging back out of his sight on the other. The thrushes are gay in the sunshine, Joan suggested. They had nothing to say about the thrushes. There is meadow-sweet and may in the wind. They were not inspired by the wind. Indeed, tis a fair day for you. They had no gratitude for the day. But I cannot do it all. She looked 
from one to the other with a whimsical smile, but her eyes stayed longer upon David Stowe, and the smile died. A man never knows how little he is worth till he thinks of himself with a woman, madame, said he, with the air of a discoverer. It must then be a melancholy moment, sir, says Joan. I think a man knows little of a woman, Joan, said Joy, in a low voice. For then, David Stowe continued his confessions to Joan, for then he perceives how coarse and hard is man's nature, how unfit for a woman's soul. For which God made it, said Joan. Nay, madame, which of us does not know how much he falls short of the purpose of God, which designed us for happiness in his service? And good courage. David Stowe started and saluted like a soldier who has been chidden. Joan, I think it hurts sometimes when people call themselves ill, said Joy, her voice trembling. That is when the people are dear to us, said Joan. Nay, nay, not that at all, Joy cried in alarm. But you would not have people abase themselves, would you, Joan? Tis like being a coward. Why, then, cousin, I think I heard you a coward a while ago. David Stowe made an exclamation. Joy's blushes surged and fled. Hush! Oh, hush! she gasped. Joan obeyed. Nay, then, if I am silent, what will befall you? said she. Why, madame, I could tell you of one who is a coward, and weak and vain withal, who yet dares hope, hope, but he dared no more, and Joy dared nothing. Then Joan, with a quaint, tender smile, Cousin, I have to tell you of one who dares hope. I, 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 when the people of old saw God they were sore afraid. And Joan, do you think, is even so when we know the joy of the love that he gives? I cannot tell that, said Joan in a low voice. She drew her arm away and slipped back, leaving them side by side. It was at the man she looked, at his pale face, earnest and grave and glad. Then, with a strange gesture, she turned and fled from them. David Stowe took Joy's hands in his and drew her close. Grave-eyed and pale and silent, she came and rested against his heart. He bowed over her, and so they stood in the sunlight, still and quiet. But as Joan sped away to the town, she looked through a mist of tears. End of chapter 33